Galatians chapter 5, verse number 23. I'm going to read the passage we have before us today that our sermon is based on. Galatians 5.23, gentleness. There it is. That's what we're looking at here today. But I say that, I, I know that's kind of fun, but 25 weeks I have taken you to this passage. I have preached the same sermon every week. Walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. That's the sermon. We've seen it expressed to us in a lot of different ways over 25 weeks. But it, it's, I don't know, it, it's like I'm begging, I'm pleading, I'm asking, I'm encouraging, I, I'm, I'm using this text to show us the necessity of walking by the Spirit. Your doctor would say, take this medicine. Your teacher would say, do your homework. Your parent would say, eat your vegetables. Or maybe your spouse would say, eat your vegetables. We still have things to learn. <laughs> but, the pastor says, walk by the Spirit. The scripture says, walk by the Spirit. We're called to walk by the Spirit. And I want to ask one simple thing. Why must we be told to do that which should be the dearest thing in our heart? We are. If we could only fully realize what it is to walk by the Spirit, what joy there is in that walk, what rest. We've talked about rest this morning. We've talked about faith this morning. We've talked about Jesus as our cornerstone and all these great truths. We've been surrounded, we've been saturated with the truth of God's Word. Is that our joy? Is it our desire to do what it says? Or are we told what to do? And we go at it reluctantly. We, we go at it forgetfully. We say, well, I'm glad, Pastor, you brought that up again. I forgot six days ago we talked about this. But here we are again. And I just challenge your heart as we get started today. Is this the message that tells me to do this, or does this message just kind of sing along with the very desire of my heart in the first place. I walk by the Spirit. Let's talk to the Lord about this first, before we even dig in to that word gentleness. Heavenly Father, Lord, only you can change a heart. You are the one who instills within us that love for you. Because we can't love unless you had first loved us. Our response is, is that which we pray would be the work of your hand in our midst, our reaching down to the very callous little hearts we have and chipping away, breaking away at those barriers, that crustiness that we've put around it. Lord, as you work in our lives, we want to be joyful recipients and participants in this work. May this not be an educational exercise we're about to go through. But may it be a spiritual challenge to our souls. May it draw us to yourselves. May it, may it spark that ambition, that desire, that passion 
that we must have to walk by the Spirit. Lord, do your work in our midst. We know that you're busy. We know that you're active in our lives. We know that you're mindful of every single thing about us. And as your children, we just submit ourselves to your word right now and eagerly seek that which you're doing in us that we might be closer to you. Do your work today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This uh, word here, gentleness, that is before us, uh, is one of the fruit of the Spirit. We see that in verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This word gentleness you might have just crossed in your Bible is the word meekness. Some translations carry that word. Matter of fact, I found it interesting that a lot of the older translations, you go 1500s, 1600s, all the way up to early 1900s, they carried the word meekness. And then the later translations moved to the word gentleness. And so you may have one of those two words in front of you today. Other times you'll find the word consideration in a thesaurus or humility suggested for this word. And there's some crossover in that kind of concept. It's interesting, the Latin word is modestia, which we get uh, modesty from. Which I think is kind of interesting because we generally tack that onto like a fashion statement. Uh, modest clothing and things of that nature. Where it used to have the idea of restraint. It had the idea of some sort of re, uh, uh, reserve to it. And, and so meekness, really, as a word, if I use the word meekness today, it could easily be misunderstood. Uh, probably, number one, because it rhymes with, but also it seems to suggest what? Weakness. A lot of people do put those. Matter of fact, even the, the old Greek and Roman culture did not like the word either. Because they preferred fierceness, manliness, strength. You know, they, they, they enforced such things that, that spoke of competitiveness and such in their glorification of man that the Greek and Roman cultures did not even call this a virtue. They just kind of marked it off the list of things that one should seek to be. Meekness. That, that seems to be contradictory to them. It's not surprising, though, because even in our study of the fruit of the Spirit, we have found these things in their entirety goes against the fleshly ways, don't they? Even this word goes against the fleshly ways. It's in opposition to the flesh. Opposition to the flesh. Now, the issue we are going to look at today is not about weakness. Not at all. Uh, meekness is a fruit and a trait of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is not weak. That's important for us as we underscore these things. Gentleness, and I'm going to switch back and forth with words, I hope you don't mind that, but gentleness is the product of the Holy Spirit. It, it shows up when He's dominant in your life. It's of such value that it is on the same level as his work of joy, his work of love, his work of patience and peace in your life. This is not a second tier in the list of the fruit. 
some people say, well, the other ones are big and important, and this one kind of takes a, a, a different place. No, this, this does not. It does not take backseat to the issues that we're studying here today. It is essential. By the time I'm done here this morning, I hope I've convinced you of that. It is essential not only in our own lives, but also in our service to the Lord. In ministry to other people, gentleness is essential. That's why it's in this list. Now, it may sound like I'm trying to defend it this morning as I get started. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, as if it's too weak to stand on its own. Pastor Bob's got to prop this one up a little bit. Uh, that's not it at all. I do not need to defend gentleness. I like the quote I heard years ago, and I've told it to you before, but Van Tavner once said that, you know, the Bible doesn't need to be defended. It's like a lion. Just let it out of its cage. <laughs> And I think, well, we're going to let gentleness out of its cage this morning. All right? Brace yourself for what you're about to hear. It's not at all what the world will tell you. It's in opposition to those things. You're going to be astounded at its, at its power, at its capabilities. So I want to reinforce something as we start on this whole topic again. Because we've talked about this with love, we've talked about it with peace, we've talked about it with patience. You will hear it again today with gentleness. All of these are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. They are His, not ours. We do not originate any of these, especially gentleness. It does not originate with us. We cannot manufacture it. We cannot maintain it. I stress that too, don't I? Because that's what I, I fully believe. Uh, the, this life that the Lord has given to me is still dependent on Him to exist. <laughs> every single day, every single moment. The fruit that He gives to me is not now based on me to somehow keep it going. It's His fruit. And it can only be enabled by Him and maintained by Him because this is not a fleshly product. We're looking at here. You can't even mingle the flesh or a tint of the flesh in with it. It's all of the Spirit. Gentleness is all of the Spirit. It is purely spiritual. In the context we're studying here today, it's, it's His fruit and it's in direct opposition to the flesh. The flesh is against gentleness. And gentleness is against the flesh. And you cannot walk down both roads. You cannot walk down both roads. The way of the flesh and the way of gentleness, they do not ever cooperate. They do not ever compromise with each other because one is the way of the Holy Spirit and the other is the way of this world. So, as we've studied this, I take you all the way back to verse 15, and you've seen it enough by now. The text tells us that there are those who bite one another, those who devour one another, those who consume one another. And that's the context he's working from when he says that the flesh does not make a good friend. It never will. It promotes itself, and it bites, and it devours, and it consumes anything that's a threat to it. That's the nature of the flesh. The contrast and the most important part of the entire study has been verse 16. But, he says, I say, walk by the Spirit. 
<laughs> I've hammered on it, I know. <laughs> Walk by the Spirit. That goes against the way that we're used to living. It goes against the thoughts that we've had in our whole life. You know, maybe you're like me, but I've been taught and I've thought over the years that if it comes to love or patience or peace or even goodness, I somehow had to muster that up from myself. I've got to work, you know, kind of do enough to make a decent presentation of it before people. <laughs> It'll make it look like I've got a little bit of this or a little bit of that. But Scripture says, and you know it, our righteousness in the sight of God looks like what? A filthy rag. Don't present your gentleness before Him today. We're seeking His. We want His. The Spirit's gentleness is what we want to understand here today. Because as we're understanding the work of the Spirit in our lives, we've come to expect it this way by now. We must walk His way, not our way. In walking by the Spirit, we learn to obey Him. We learn to trust Him. We learn to be in fellowship with Him. We, we learn to seek His direction. We learn to know how He works. And we have confidence in what He's doing. That's walking by the Spirit. It's an everyday, all the time activity. We keep on walking. We keep on walking. So there's our reminder as we go into this passage and the main point I make every single week. Walk by the Spirit. Now, when you do that, He produces the gentleness. That's His job. That's His fruit. So, let's ask what it is today. Alright? Gentleness. What is it? It's a great little word. Uh, parutes is the Greek word. If you like spelling interesting words, P-R-A-U-T-E-S is the English rendering of that. P-R-A-U-T-E-S. Parutes is the word. Some definitions sound very, I don't know what you call it, soft. They use such words as mildness of disposition, uh, gentleness of spirit, meekness, humility. Uh, John Wycliffe, one of the first to ever put Scripture into the English tongue, he, he was accomplishing the translation, not that somebody didn't ever say Scripture in English, but the first of the translations. John Wycliffe put in Matthew 5, you know, blessed are the meek, that little passage. He said, blessed be mild men. That's an interesting little phrase, and, and as a result of that, uh, it is it is confused some people as to what that means as to your conduct. How do you, how do you be mild and, and what does that suggest? Well, I'll give you a couple of points just to start you off. Gentleness, first of all, I'll give it this way, it marks a person who is submissive to the will of God. Submissive to the will of God. Submissive to the Word of God, especially. Here's one good verse for you just to mark in your thinking. James chapter 1, verse 21. It says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, now that's the word gentleness here, same word, in humility, receive the word. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul. Now, I could ask you a simple question. Is it wise or is it weak 
to submit to the Word of God. <laughs> I set you up for that one. You only had two options, and you know you didn't want to go with the, the weak side, did you? It is wisdom to receive and to submit to the Word of God. It is not weakness to submit to the will of God, or the Word of God. I want to illustrate wisdom, or, or meekness to you this way. And the definition I'm giving you is this. Power under control. That's the word that you're looking at. Power under control. You are very thankful, though you don't know it, that we exist in a world where power is under control. When high power lines go over the city and they attach wires to that and bring it down to telephone poles and they put on all kinds of different reducers and capacitors and I don't know what all the terminology is there. But what comes into your house is not what's running through that big old line up there. Be thankful for that. When you turn on your faucet in the bathroom, water pressure is to that degree that you should be very thankful you don't get the blast that it really carries. Power under control. The best picture I've always thought of was that of a horse. A horse, a very strong animal. Very, very strong animal. One of my favorite things to do when we were living in Indiana was to go to the county fair and watch the draft horses pull the sleds of weight. Very impressive. Animals. They're taller than I were. And I look up and see these huge horses. They hook them up to sleds. So it's just loaded down with incredible amounts of weight. And the man gets up there and he just hits his whip and off they go. And some of those horses pulling so hard they go all the way down to the ground as they're trying to get their footing to pull this huge, heavy cart. But that's power. And yet they don't go wild with it because they've been broken to do that job. A horse is useful when it's broken. You know that. Many of you have uh, situations, even the, the background with these animals. When they're wild, you can't ride them. They don't even come when they call, or you call them. When they're wild, you can't hook a wagon to them. You can't find them very useful at all. But when you break the horse, and I've watched a lot of westerns, so I know how to do that. When you break the horse, it's now useful. You can ride the horse. Now, broken, it's now too weak to do it, right? It didn't lose its strength. But now it's useful. You've got a picture of the word all of a sudden. Power under control. That's gentleness. Power under control. Let me give you a beautiful picture of this. Go to Colossians chapter number 1. Colossians 1, we're going to start in verse 15. I'm going to work you through a little passage here, speaking of our Savior, Jesus Christ. It says in verse number 1, and I'm going to show you in the first three verses, 15, 16, and 17, Jesus' capability as creator. It's awesome to read this passage. Colossians 1.15 He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by Him 
All things were created. Underscore that. That's important. That's huge. By Him, all things were created. That's impressive. Now, you say, what things? Well, the things in the heavens and the things on the earth. The things you can see, the things you can't see. Whether they're thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and are for Him. That's a powerful statement. And it says, and He is before all things. And add this, in Him all things hold together. You have Creator, you have authority, you have sustainer, all in those words. And he's all of that. He's the creator, he's the authority, he is the sustainer. Verse 18, he is also the head of the church. <laughs> Let us not forget that. He's not only our creator as the church is concerned, he is our authority as the church is concerned, he is our sustainer as the church is concerned, we don't keep the church going. He builds the church. It's his church. He's the sustainer. He's the head of the body, it says, the church. He is the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead, that he himself will come to have first place in everything. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. What's that say? He's God. You want it in simple terms. He is God. Jesus Christ. Now watch this. I love this. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on the earth or things in the heavens. Stop right there. What did you just see? This omnipotent God, creator, supreme authority, sustainer of everything, went to a cross to die for you, <laughs> for me. This is the one who spoke the words and everything came into existence. He spoke the words. And yet Matthew would tell you there, as he went into Jerusalem the last week before they crucified him, say to the daughters of Zion, Matthew 21 verse 5, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle. What's gentle mean? Power under control. Gentle. And mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the fall of a beast of burden. When he went to that cross, he didn't even speak the words to defend himself against these puny men who nailed him there. They were so weak these puny men, even when he identified himself in the garden. I can't wait to see the video of this in heaven. It's going to be great. It says in John chapter 18 that when they came and they asked him who he was, they said they were looking at Jesus, uh, the uh, Nazarene. Uh, he says, I am he. And the whole group of them fell down on the ground. Now, you've got to picture that and almost get a little bit of humor in the picture, too. 
there were 600 Roman soldiers in that group. I just tried to picture what that looked like. In just one word, every one of them was laying on the ground. Kind of a comical view when you think about it. The priests who came to arrest him were on the ground. Judas would have been on the ground. The whole bunch of them fell to the ground. And of course, if you're loaded down with armor and stuff, can you picture yourself getting back up? You say, it's hard enough to get up without armor. But here they are, rolling around and trying to get back up on their feet and the whole thing. It, it didn't just, I mean, it was a, wasn't a quick ordeal. You have to give them time to fall down and get back up again. And in the midst of time, wouldn't you think, like, who is this person that I've come to arrest? That he just said his name and we all fell down. But what did they do? They got up and arrested him anyway. Incredible scene. Peter says, hey, this is a good time for a fight. He pulls out his sword. As if he needs to defend the creator of the universe. Jesus answered him. Simple statement. And we put it in the words of a song. You might have remembered the song. I could have called 10,000 angels. 10,000 angels. Oh, by the way, mathematically, that's enough angels to wipe out the entire population of the world. He could have done that. Did he have power? Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> oh, yes, he did. But Scripture says he went as a lamb to the slaughter. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to slaughter, like sheep that is silent before its shearers, so he did not open his mouth. Now, when he did earlier in Matthew chapter 11, he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. He says, Because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here's another interesting one. Same area of Matthew are just I know I'm reading them off to you but I'll get you plenty of time to stay in Colossians we're coming back so don't move but Matthew 12 verse 18 behold my servant whom I've chosen he says my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased I will put my spirit upon him he shall proclaim justice to the Gentiles he will not quarrel he will not cry out he will not uh, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets a battered reed he will not break off. A smoldering wick he will not put off until he leads justice to victory. And in his name the Gentiles will hope. Now all the while this creator was walking the path of Redeemer, his strength under control, he had an aim in mind that has become very useful to me, you and me. His goal was that the Gentiles hear the gospel. That's you and me. That's us. Be thankful for a gentle Savior. A gentle Savior who, who has all that power, but it was controlled. It was aimed at saving our souls. 
And that's what Colossians is saying here in chapter 1. Look at verse number 21. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind and engaged in evil deeds, yet now he has reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. I want to ask you something. Will it work? Will he succeed? You're asking if the creator of the universe will succeed in saving your souls? <laughs> and then, in the end, having you presented before him, holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. You see, producing salvation in us is such a great work. We only stop and reflect more and more upon what he has done. This Holy Spirit is producing gentleness in you and me. Making us like Christ. Stop and think for a minute who the Holy Spirit is. I've told you before, but it's true. He is God, isn't he? And he's inside of you. Scripture says he indwells us. Has he somehow turned down the power? No. He's at work. I just can't imagine what it would be like if it was the full power of God. Full force. I don't think we can handle it. Gentleness. He works with us with gentleness. Power under control. Under control. The power of God within us. And yet that power is changing us. And what a patient God we have. This fruit is what we're being made. We are being made gentle. Think of it this way for a minute. I'm not picking on you ladies, but the verse popped up. 1 Peter chapter 3, it says in verse 1, 2, and 3, In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. So they, as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart, which is imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Guys, you're not off the hook. Colossians 3, verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God... Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he says, flee, flee from those things, you man of God. He's talking about sinful things of the youth. He says, flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness and godliness and faith, and love, and perseverance, and gentleness. 
I like the way Spurgeon said this. He said, he who lies on a bed of spices will naturally find his garment smelling the same. A mirror held up to the sun is shining the bright in itself and flashes its rays. He who walks with wise men will become wise. And he who dwells with infinite wisdom will be taught of God. You say, well, Pastor, there's a plea here that we be gentle. Yes. Where are you going to get that? You need to walk with your God. Because He is gentle. And it's His gentleness that's instilled in you. It's instilled in you. It's His gentleness. Walking with the Spirit will produce this gentleness. He breaks our selfish ways. He wrenches away from us this flesh, the strife, the hatred, the impurities. He causes us to be submissive to His Word and to His ways. He drives us to dependence where our words and our thoughts and our actions are starting to show His influence. And they're done in keeping with that influence. And why does he do all this? To make us useful. To make us useful. Like making the gentle horse useful. I once had to ride this horse on a youth group event. Because I was bigger than anyone else, I brought out the biggest horse. I said, this one's named Ginger. I think you could handle her. That should have been my first clue. Ginger had a problem. Ginger would follow down the path where you lead Ginger and such like that, but Ginger didn't like people on her back. And rather than buck you off or anything like that, she would aim for the nearest tree. And she'd get closer, and you could see it coming. And she'd step closer as you're heading on that path, and you're thinking, we're aiming right for that tree. And sure enough, we were. Because she brushed across that tree to knock you off. Every single tree on that event. I was sore on one side of my body, but she didn't get me off. You say, well, what kind of horse is that? Now, I want to ask you, if just for fun we could be equated with a horse today. And we're made useful in God's work. How are we resisting that? How are we trying to get things our way, in His way? He wants to train us. He wants to use us. He wants to make us useful. And here we go brushing against trees. Here we go going against the things that makes us really the most useful. He is at work in our lives to make us useful. This is not for exhibition. This is for service. The fruit is for service. I've said it. I've said it. This is what God's power produces in us. Serviceable people. Useful to His work.
I'll just read off a handful of verses. I'll tell you where they are and you can look them up as you go. Galatians 6.1 Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. We need that if we're going to be in spiritual activity to help our brother who's caught in a trespass. We need gentleness. Ephesians 4.1, Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, and being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's a huge calling. And what must we have to do it? Gentleness. In 2 Timothy 2, verse 25, Timothy's told with gentleness to correct those who are in opposition. Wow! In gentleness. That's power under control. If perhaps God might grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. I read to you a little bit out of James already this morning. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and the re- what remains of humi- wickedness and humility receives the word. That's gentleness. But let me give you the context of it. You ready? This is powerful. James 1.19 This you know, my beloved brethren. Everyone must be quick to hear. You know what's next. Slow to speak and slow to anger. Because... The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Mark that in your thinking. We think if we get angry, we make our point better. It's kind of like solving every problem with a sledgehammer. Oh, it worked once. I could do it again. Boom! We lay it. Boom! We hit him. Boom! One more time. We're not quick to hear. We're not slow to speak. We're not slow on anger. Because somehow we've convinced ourselves that the anger of man does accomplish the righteousness of God. And scripture just said, no, it doesn't. Rather, that verse follows. Put aside all filthiness. Put aside all that remains of wickedness. And receive the word with gentleness. How do you serve now? With gentleness. That's power, folks. And it accomplishes the will of God. But it's under His control. It's under His control. That's the walking of the Spirit that we're talking about here. His control of us. That we are useful. Knowing knowing the power of God is great. Having that as our understanding that Strength of the omnipotent in service. Wow, what it can do in ministry. But with gentleness. Like our Savior was gentle too. Now by now I know, because I'm doing this too, you're evaluating yourself, aren't you? <laughs> you're thinking through this one and you're measuring yourself with this gentleness that's looking you full in the face. Let me say this. Gentleness is not an option for you. It is not an option for you. 
it's God's way. It has been His way from the very beginning. It's the Savior's way to save you. It's the Holy Spirit's way for you to walk. And until we're convinced of this, I don't think we're going to see its value. Our goal today, as it has always been, is not for me to say, now go out and be gentle. I say once again, go out and walk with the Spirit. Walk with the Spirit. Submit to the Spirit's work in your life. He will make you gentle for service. So we're not like wild horses. (laughs) But that we're useful for what He wants us to do. So that's where we're going to leave you this morning to wrestle with your God about. Gentleness. Usefulness for service. Heavenly Father, we all bow before you with the same need this morning. We need to walk by the Spirit. And it's not so much something that I hope is demanded of us, but that those words match a heart that desires it. That we're more than willing to follow in the steps of our Savior in gentleness, to walk side by side with the Spirit in gentleness as He produces in us this very great and powerful and a and useful thing called gentleness. Our submission is called for here. Our willingness to walk by the Spirit. You know every single heart in this room and you know where they're wrestling even right now. What the struggle might be. Some of us even stand here a little ashamed, Lord, that we have tried it our way. And we know it's not working. We've struggled our way. We haven't submitted yet. Today might be the day when finally, finally we see. This is not our fruit. We cannot produce it. We cannot, we cannot imitate it. It must be yours or it's none at all. So I pray, Lord, as we submit today, as we learn that first step of walking by the Spirit, it would be with a heart that wants to walk with you. Do your work in our midst, Lord. Apply your truth to every heart in the way that you would have it done. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.